feet as well as we bless the name of the Lord. Shut up. 
Holy Spirit rest here today. Oh. As the Spirit was moving over the waters, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the Come rest on us, come rest on us, come down, spirit when you move and make my heart pound, when you feel the rain, you feel the rain, you're here and I know you are moving, I'm here and I know you will feel me, come down, spirit when you move and make my heart pound, when you feel the rain,
Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord in here. If he's all you want, come on, just open up your mouth and let him know, oh God, I need you today. We bless your holy name, oh God. Nobody like you, Jesus. You worthy, worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for
worship to you this morning. We just ask that you would bless this worship, Father. We ask that you would rest on us in this place today, oh God. Let your Holy Spirit, Father, your anointing that destroys yokes of bondage, oh God. That chain-breaking anointing, Father. We just ask that you would let it rest in your house today, oh God. Hallelujah. As we pour out our praise and our worship to you, Jesus, we ask that you would fill us again, oh God, with more of your spirit, with more love, oh God, with more joy, more peace, oh God, that passes understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, touch somebody's heart right now, oh God. Touch somebody's heart right now, oh God. Spirit of the living God, move in this place. Move in this place, oh God. We need a touch from you, Jesus. We need a touch from you, oh God. We need a touch from you, Jesus. that each of you joined us this morning. For those who had to fight that rain and ran on in, we are so happy that you chose to and did not turn right back around because that was pretty wild. We are so happy you're here. Amen. We know that you have plenty of churches in the area to go to. It is our honor. We are so thankful that you chose to spend it with us this morning. So, And hello to our V family online. Shout yes. out to you as well. Um, if it's your first time with us, again, thank you for joining us. Come meet us after. You'll see us out there in guest services with little bags, little uh, teal tissue paper. It's a small gift. It's our way of saying thank you for joining us, but we'd love to meet you, um, get to know your name. Also, if you are not following us yet on social media at We Are Converge, then you are going to be missing out on all the fun things coming up for the rest of the summer. So please get online, follow us at We Are Converge. It's the way to stay up to date with what's going on, um, all the details, the times, and some of those things um, Ms. Andrea will be sharing with you here in a few minutes. And last but not least for me, if you have a middle school or high school student, I see some of our students in the back over there, we are having um, the Meet of the Convert in the Verge um, on the second and fourth Sunday of every month. They are having an awesome time learning about God, connecting with each other. So bring your students out, have them bring their friends, their neighbors, um, especially as they're getting plugged back into school um, come August. Um, we hope to see that, that room fill up. So don't forget second and fourth Sundays of every month. Awesome. Thank you, Cassie. And we just want to make you aware of a couple of things. The first thing being today, we are having our second Converge Net Gathering. Yeah. I am excited for it. So if you weren't at the first one back in May, long story short, Converge Net is a place for professionals and those in transition to gather in a Christ-centered environment. If you are self-employed or underemployed, if you are in transition or if you're leading a large organization, ConvergeNet is the place for you to gather with us, to learn, to be mentored, to network, and that is today, immediately following the worship experience over in The Verge. Lunch will be served at a small cost, it is $15. So we've had some people register, um, but gather, join us today over in The Verge at noon for ConvergeNet. And then the second thing I wanna make you guys aware of is on Sunday, August 5th, it is our annual Backpack to School Sunday. Can we give it up for our students and back to school? 
We will be partnering with Above All Things to distribute backpacks to our underserved uh, students here in the local community and in some other nearby ISDs. So if you would like to participate, we will have um, a need for volunteers to serve in setting up and uh, filling the backpacks before or in tear down and clean up afterwards. But we also have a need, Converge guys, you guys are always so generous. If you feel so led, we are going to try to collect backpacks. So we are um, providing backpacks at I think $5 for the smaller backpack, which would be the elementary and middle school students. And then uh, $7.95 I do believe for, or is it $7? I'll make sure I have the right information for you guys, but for the larger backpacks. And so we'll have some uh, links available uh, for you guys to go onto our website and purchase those backpacks to make donations. Just mark your calendars, more information will be coming soon. But uh, we appreciate you guys and we appreciate your generosity and everything you guys do to help us make life-giving ministry happen here at Converge and to be a blessing to our community and the neighboring communities. Um, I think that's it from us, Cassie. The next person you guys hear from will be Pastor Jesse. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning, 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 Converge Church. Are you awake? Are you here to raise to serve God today? Are you here to celebrate Jesus today? Thank you so much for coming, for braving the rain. How many of you say that water just rolls off my back? Just like a duck. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. We're excited that you're here. Glad that you're here. And we're believing that God's going to bless us as we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ today. The Bible says that we are to honor the Lord with everything that we own. The Bible says it is God who gives us the power to get wealth. How many of you know you can just say thank God? Because he's given you the, the ability to increase in life. We thank you so much again for coming. We want to remind you, first of all, Several ways to give. You can give by getting, using an envelope. If you need an envelope, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Also, I want to remind you that there are envelopes in the back of the seats that are in front of you or you can grab the one behind you if necessary. But we want to let you know that you can use those envelopes as well. Also, you can give by texting 77977 and you can give that way. You can also give online at weareconverged.com. You can also give by downloading our app and you can have our Converge app and you can click on the icon give and you can give that way as well. You can also give by using your cash app if you so desire and you can also give by using Zelle. Make sure you use the email associated accounting at weareconverged.com. Amen. Look at someone say, I'm glad to give. The Bible says as we purpose in our heart, let us give. Say, I'm purposed to give today. Amen. Amen. Let us give today. Let us believe that God's going to receive what we give and use our resources to further the kingdom of God. We thank you for coming today. Bow your heads and let's pray and let's thank God for our offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much today. We praise your name today. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and we give you all the praise. Thank you so much for blessing us. God, we have the ability today, we have the mindset today, the purpose today to give into the kingdom of God that we may see the kingdom of God flourish and grow. God, we are part of the resource of the plan of God. 
And so, God, today we give God because we want to give. We give God because we're excited about giving. We give God today because we want to see the kingdom of God grow. God, we love you. You loved us. You gave your son Jesus for us. His blood was shed for us. And so, God, it is with great gratitude and joy that we give into the kingdom of God today. Bless those who give today, O oh God, and bless this church that we may be a conduit of the kingdom of God here in this community. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Church, good morning. Can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning? I said, can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning? We're going to try once again. I said, can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning? The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us do what? Go into the house of the Lord. Is there anybody that's excited to be in the physical house of God this morning? Amen. The best place to be in the world is in the midst of faith-based community. Can we thank God for all of the leaders of Converge Church and all that they have done to make service so phenomenal today? Can we do that? Amen. While you're clapping, let's thank God for Pastor Ray and Wendy Harmon. They are somewhere on an island, somewhere in another continent or country, enjoying each other's company. And I'm so glad to have the opportunity to share with you all today. They somewhere. <laughs> looking good as always, looking good as always. My name is Pastor Ken. I lead a church here in the Plano area, and it's my opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you guys. Um, and uh, we're going to get to it in just a few moments. I did bring a few resources today. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but if you're a reader and you're looking to just build your walk of faith and establish some biblical foundations for living, I've got a few resources that will be made available shortly after service today. I'll sign some books. I have a book called The Unheard Of. It's something that I wrote just before the pandemic, unbeknownst to me. Didn't even know what a pandemic was, but the Lord dropped this particular resource in my spirit. We launched it just before a few weeks before the official announcement of the pandemic. So it is a word that I believe is ministering to those of us who are really looking to tap into our hidden potential. For those of you who don't want to go to therapy, don't raise your hand. I'm going to help you today. Praise the Lord, somebody. I'm going to help you today. This book here called What's Wrong With Me is a therapy, therapy session uh, that you've been avoiding. It's where I walk you through really talking about how to break through and move some of the pains because how many know trauma has an impact on our adulthood? Can I get an amen today? And so if uh, somebody's been telling you to go to therapy and you're scared to call the therapist, it's all right. I'm going to hold my hand with you as you read through the pages of this book. And I believe the Holy Spirit will accompany you in that journey towards wholeness. All right. Then my third latest book, which is uh, my flagship book on business. I'll talk a little bit more about this particular book in the Converge Net meeting. And so if you're some entrepreneurs and you're looking to build a profitable business, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I just want you to know there's some resources available. Amen. 
All right. Are y'all ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Put your hands together and shout, I'm ready for the word. All right. Come on. I know it's raining outside and some of you may have made it to Starbucks. I didn't get to stop by Starbucks this morning. So we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be your caffeine injection today. Amen. Amen. Somebody, somebody shout, I'm ready for the word. All right, come on. I'm just waiting. I just need the room. Just come on up just a little bit because I believe that wherever there's an air of expectancy and an aroma of faith, God will do great things. Somebody shout, I'm ready for the word. All right, that was real good, but I need you to speak those things that be not as though they were. You might be tired today, but as I was praying about today's service, I know Pastor Ray reached out to me, but I believe the Holy Spirit was involved in the facilitating of every aspect of this service today, and I believe that somebody's life is going to shift for the better because of the word of the Lord that God has for us this morning. The Bible says that faith comes, what, by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. God. Somebody shout again, I'm ready for the words. All right, if you don't mind, I want you to turn your attention over to Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five, if you don't mind turning there. Help me celebrate uh, my adjutant that's with us today, man. He's helping making sure that I'm good today. Can y'all thank God here for him, Mr. Xavier, that's on the front row there. Got us here, sa- got me here safely. And uh, we thank God for him. If you don't mind, go with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians, uh, the chap- chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five. We're going to do a little bit of reading today. Uh, as Pastor Ray was sharing with me where you guys currently are. And I want to respect where he has been and just kind of speak to what the Lord has dropped in his spirit uh, over this, these last several weeks. And so we're going to be in Galatians chapter number five. Galatians 5, and my pages are sticking. And we're going to look at verse number 16, uh, and then we're going to look at verse number 22. If you don't mind, can we stand for the reading of the word today? Galatians 5, 16, for your convenience, it is on the screen. I want you to put your hand or finger in Galatians 5, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew. Don't worry. For some of us, we hadn't done too much reading of the word this week, so we're going to knock it out today. Amen? All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16, and I just want to uh, read one verse, and then we're going to move to verse number 22. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, what, gratify the desires of the flesh. If you can go to verse number 22, uh, if we can read verse 22 together aloud, because this is uh, the thrust of this summer teaching series, and I want to make sure that we get it in our spirit, dealing with the five fruits of the spirit. Y'all see it? It's right there on the screen. Ready? Read. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Stop right there. If you can, turn your attention over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you can, go there with me. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read one verse or or several verses there from Matthew 11 uh, just to bring language to this discussion on the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to look at verse number one through five. Are you there? It says, when Jesus had finished instructing the 12, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison, underline that, when John heard in prison, when John heard 
in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, said, Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walks. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. For the time that we have together today, I want to talk from this subject, the context of faithfulness. The context, everybody shout, the context of faithfulness. Look at your neighbor, just make sure they're awake, make sure they're awake, and just tell them we're going to talk about the context of faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this word today. Thank you for the opportunity to, to weather the storm, to be in the house of the Lord. God, I pray that this word that you gave me, that you would use it as an opportunity to minister, minister to someone's faith walk. Lord, I pray that the anointing of God would arrest us all as we walk through the scriptures. Your word has declared that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Your word is also declared, let he that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. So God, we ask you to speak today. Send your anointing, God, that will build our walk of faith so that we can make you proud in the life that you've called us to live. There are people in this room dealing with various things on their minds. Somebody needs you to touch their relationship while somebody else may need you to touch their body. There's somebody dealing with financial calamity and dealing with job displacement. There's an entrepreneur in the room. God, they need a word from you today. And they say, God, if I can just make my way to the house of the Lord, that's where I need to be. So, God, I ask that as they are here, take this word today. Speak to their very specific situation. Give them a new perspective concerning what it is that you're doing in their life. Let them know that all things are working together for their good. Let them know that no good thing will you hold from those of us who love you. Let them know, God, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let somebody know that today is a day of a brand new day, and you're doing something phenomenal and amazing in their life. Now, Lord, we lift up the lead pastors of this church. We pray for Pastor Ray and Wendy Harmon this morning, Lord God, that while they're resting, whatever it is that they're doing, God, I thank you for pouring strength into their marriage. We lift their family up before you right now. We come against every interaction of the enemy, spiritual backlash because of what it is they've been assigned to do in the city of McKinney, Texas. I pray, God, that the power of God would be their strength, their portion, and their rest right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that when they return back to the this city, Lord God, that they will return refreshed and rested to serve the people of God in Jesus' name. If you believe that prayer, can you put your hands together for Jesus? You may take your seat. I want to continue on the path that Pastor Ray and Pastor Wendy have been forging into this current series of the summer aptly titled Fruition. Uh, as I began to look at this, indeed, there couldn't be a more pertinent time for such a theme given the challenges, uh, the challenging climate that we find ourselves navigating as a people today. If our true aim is to win souls for Christ, it is my belief uh, that we must confront an essential truth, which means uh, we must be bearers of the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody shout, I got to be a bearer of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Say it again. I got to be a bearer of the fruit of the Spirit. I can't talk about the fruit of the Spirit and not become what the fruit of the Spirit requires for my life. Somebody shout, I've got to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And let's be clear, my brothers and sisters, there's a world of difference between merely talking about the fruit of the Spirit and genuinely bearing the fruit of the Spirit. If you're anything like me, you know the it's all too easy to talk a good game. Until a storm comes along, appends our complacency and shakes the tree of our lives, testing what fruit we are truly bearing. The Bible says tree is known by what? The fruits that it bears. In my preparation of our time together today, I took some time to revisit the previous installments of this powerful, powerful teaching discussion, which have certainly sparked some amazing transformative discussions. You all talked about under the influence. Were you here to listen to that amazing message, under the influence, dealing with this idea of love? Someone else talked about being unbothered. I remember in 2022 when my wife got into her 40s, she says, I'm moving into a season where I'm unbothered. So now now, everything she says in the house and telling the kids, I'm unbothered. Hallelujah. Somebody finding calm in chaos. On Father's Day, I got a chance to peek into a message dealing with a gentle warrior. And then someone else talked about more than just a feeling, talking about this idea of finding joy. And then I believe Pastor Ray taught on last week, are we there yet? The importance of embracing patience. The Bible says that we ought to let patience have what? Her perfect work. And so today, Converge family, we're privileged to explore the seventh fruit of the Spirit. The seventh fruit of the Spirit. And the seventh fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians writing, is faithfulness. Everybody shout faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I believe that it's no coincidence that faithfulness is the seventh fruit of the Spirit. In biblical numerology, the number seven represents perfection and completion. Therefore, as we delve deeper into understanding and embodying the fullness of faithfulness, we are moving toward the completion of our understanding of these divine truths and virtues that are mentioned by the writer to the church at Galatia. I want to give you the definition of faithfulness for all of my note takers. If you don't mind putting it on the screen for me, faith is the belief, assurance of God's word and all that he has done. Faith is the belief, assurance of God's word and all he has done. Faithfulness, however, is the decision. Notice I said the word decision. It is the decision to live according to that truth. It's one thing to have faith. It's another to be faithful. Did you hear what I just said? It's one thing to have faith. It's another to be faithful. When you say that you are a faith person, God will then send things in your life to test your faith to determine if you're really faithful. I'll say that again. There are things, there are circumstances and situations that God will sovereignly place you into to show you what you are made of. Somebody shout, I'm faithful. In other words, faithfulness, we're living in a day where everybody wants to live their truth. <laughs> so faithfulness is a truth that you and I choose to live. Write that down. Faithfulness is a truth that you and I choose to live. 
Now, please understand that when we talk about faithfulness, we're not merely discussing an abstract concept or ideal. No, faithfulness is a concrete truth, a life-altering reality that you and I choose to live out every single day. Now, as we began to look at the writings of the Apostle Paul, uh, Pastor Ray has done a phenomenal job in really unpacking the context of the writing to the church at Galatia, written from the pen of Paul. And as he is writing to this church, uh, Galatia, it's important to note that when he, Apostle Paul, pins these words that we find in Galatians 5 to the church at Galatia, he's not addressing non-Christians. He's not talking to non-believers. He's not talking about people or talking to people who are estranged from God. He's talking to the blood bought. He's talking to those who are believers, the people who look like you and me. These were individuals who had confessed Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, but like us. They were wrestling with the complexities of living in the world, caught in the tension between the allures of the flesh and the higher calling of the Spirit. And I want to look very closely at verse number 7 because the heart of this message is profound. It speaks directly to the struggles we face today. Watch this in living out our faith in a world that often seems in opposition of our divine calling. Let's look at verse number 7 through 8 of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let's go back to it. I'll make everything wrap up together in just a few moments. But I want to unpack this text carefully so that we can understand what the writer is attempting to convey. Y'all good this morning? Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7 through 8. I want to look at verses 7 through 8. Look at what he says. It's interesting here. He says... Um, you were running well. Write that down. Underline that in your Bible. He says, you were running well before him, before he gives them suggestions of what they're up against, he helps address their current circumstance. He says in verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you? From obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. I I, got to park a little bit because part A of verse 7 is interesting. That in the session with the writer, he says to them, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth. I want you to catch the imagery of this. The imagery of this picture and the scripture that it paints, the, 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 the painting that this scripture provides in our mind, he likens it to runners in a race who start strong, filled with zeal and fervor. You remember when you first got saved? Come on. When you first got saved, you tell a lot about it and everybody about Jesus Christ. Then life comes along and You start drifting. You were running well. We couldn't beat you to get to church. Now, depending upon what Sunday it is and what the weather climate is like, will determine whether or not you're going to come to church. You were running well up until something introduces itself in your life to challenge your theology. 
to challenge your way of living. We can run well when things are easy, but running well requires us to run well even when life is not well. Did you hear what I just said? Just because life may not be well, it does not alter the requirement or the assignment that's on your life. You got to be faithful even when it's not popular. Somebody shout, I got to be faithful even when it's not popular. Along the way, obstacles appear. Distractions are introduced. Doubts enter into our minds and we are now tempted by the allures of this world. And each of us, each of these issues can hinder us from the path of truth and obedience. However, the promise of faithfulness is this. Even in the midst of these struggles, I'm going to choose to stay the course. Is there anybody in this room that says, come hella high water, I'm going to stay on course. Come on. I'm waiting on somebody in this room. I, I said, come hella high water, I'm going to stay on the course. No, I don't care what they're doing in the corporate office. I don't care what the doctor has to say. I don't care where my marriage is right now. I'm going to stay the course. I, I don't care what's wrong in my life. I don't care what's left in my life. I'm going to stay the course. I, I know things may not be perfect, but God's been too good to me. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thanks be unto God, for he has given me the no good thing will he withhold from those of us who loves him. Somebody shout, I'm going to stay the course. Come on, shout again, I'm going to stay the course. Come on, come on, say it again. Stay the course. You weathered the storm this morning to get to Converge Church to here. You got to stay the course. I know it's easier to quit, but you got to stay the course. You got to run your race. You got to run it even when it's not convenient. Somebody shout, I'm going to stay the course. We got to choose to remain faithful because we know the one who has called us is faithful. Aren't you glad you serve a faithful God? I dare you to put your hands together and give God praise because he's faithful. He's faithful. Some of you may wonder, well, where has he been faithful? The fact that you got to church safely means he's faithful. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. The fact that he gave you another day means he's faithful. If you are able to clothe yourself this morning, that's a sign of the faithfulness of God. If you rolled over and your kids were healthy, I didn't say perfect, but healthy, he's faithful. If you got a job to go to on Monday morning, the job you complain about every Monday, he's faithful. The fact that you can open your fridge and see almond milk and cereal means he, anybody lactose and tar, tar I, I got I to gotta do almond milk. Got to do almond milk. Somebody shout, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. In that vein, if you can give me a little bit of volume, I, I got to preach four more times today, and I want to I protect my voice if you don't mind. Uh, but in that vein, faithfulness becomes not just an idea or an ideal. It's a chosen truth. It's a chosen, everybody shout, a chosen truth. It's a way of life that we decide to live out each and every day. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Faithfulness is not a look. 
I'm going to say that again. I'm going to let it sit in for just a few moments. I'm going to talk to this side over here. Faithfulness is not a look. Did you hear what I just said? Faithfulness is not a look. We live in a world more than often that, that, that or not values appearances over reality. Is that just as my church or is that out here in McKinney too? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just at my church or not this church down the street. We, we value appearance over reality. We, we post, I know I'm not talking to none of you today. We post our best photos on social media. Never mind the fact that you got my four filters on that picture. Never mind the fact that it took you about 15 shots to get the right photo. We post our best photos on social media, our greatest achievements and our most joyful moments. Nobody's posting their pain. Nobody's posting the fact when they walk in the doctor's office to get the same diagnosis concerning the cancer that has not been healed. That, that's not a post that get accolades. We like to post our achievements, our best photos, our, and our accomplishments. We are often tempted to showcase, showcase, showcase a picture of faithfulness rather than genuinely possessing faithfulness. This is what I like to call the illusion of faithfulness. The illusion of faithfulness. It's easy to create a facade. It's easy to, to create a look, a look of, of being faithful. No, nobody's going to walk up to you, Xavier, and say, man, you look faithful. Oh, you're hearing me. Nobody's just going to walk up to you and say, although you look good, you look faithful. No, 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 no. Faithful is something you live out. Your spouse don't want you to look faithful. They want you to be faithful. In absence, be faithful. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Nobody's going to just walk up and say, boy, you are surely faithful. No, 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 no. There are things, currents that beat against your faith and to try your faith to determine if you believe what you said you believe. Faithfulness. Is not a look. If you consider a pristine, shiny apple that's so perfect in its appearance that it tempts you to reach out and take a bite and your teeth sink in and there's no sweetness but bitterness. The apple was so enticing from the outside, but the reality was it was rotten at its core. Just as the apple deceived us, so too does the illusion of faithfulness. If we are not careful, if we're not careful converts church, we can spend all of our efforts crafting a perfect image of faithfulness. An image of faithfulness is not your dress. An image of faithfulness is not what you drive. An image of faithful is not how big your office is. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. An image of faithfulness is not the furnishings in your house or the art that's on the wall. Faithfulness is a truth that you and I choose to live. Watch this. When nobody is looking. When nobody is looking. When the lights are out, are you faithful? When hell breaks loose, are you faithful? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When nobody is looking at you, are you? It's easy to be faithful with a mic. 
It's easy to be faithful when you've been tagged in planning center. It's easy to be faithful when folk need you. But can you be faithful when hell breaks loose? Some of you made your way to church to just hear these words. Stay faithful. You made your way here. Maybe with tears flowing down your face. And you came and said, I thought Pastor Ray and, and Lady Wendy would be here. You came to hear this bald head preacher tell you today, stay faithful. You came to church and weathered the storm saying, I don't know why I got to be at church today, but I got to get there. You came to church to say, stay faithful. Be not weary in well-doing because in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I came to tell somebody two words. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The circumstance may not change, but it's still morning because I got joy that is unspeakable. A joy that my bank balance can't adjust. Joy that does not change based on circumstantial evidence. But I got a joy that comes not from me, but from the Father. Somebody shout, thank God for joy. For joy, for joy. We can spend all of our efforts crafting the perfect image of faithfulness rather than nurturing this divine fruit within us. I want to give you yet another definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the definition. Here's the definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the possession and demonstration of certain characteristics that communicates one's stance. Notice, in the midst of uncertainty. Faithfulness is proven in uncertain circumstances. It's, it's revealed in uncertain circumstances. Faithfulness is proven when you got a question mark. Faithfulness is proven when your income balance won't fix it. Uh, come on, talk to me today. Faithfulness is proven when the number is not in your contact list. Because it's not going to be my might, nor by power, but by God's spirit as he spoke to Zerubbabel. As you rebuild in this season, it's not in your contact list. They're not on your social media list. They're not a part of your subscribers. This faithfulness that will be revealed is something that is revealed by being tried and tested. This is good teaching today. I want you to turn to Matthew 11. Some of you may be wondering, what does Matthew 11 have anything to do with Galatians 5? Well, I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me a text in Scripture that would corroborate the importance of this idea of faithfulness. And he challenged me to turn to an all-familiar story found in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a story of a young man, for all intents and purposes, who is living out the challenges of faithfulness. His name is John the Baptist. John, we all know John. John the Baptist, the very one who baptized Jesus, the, the one of the voice crying out of the wilderness, who prepared the way of the Lord. Now, this same John 
finds himself in a situation. He finds himself in a circumstance. He finds himself sandwiched between hope, faith, and a dilemma. I'll say that again. He is sandwiched between hope, faith, and a dilemma. The Lord told me that there are those of you in this room, you're in the midst of being sandwiched between hope, faith, and a dilemma. And this is exactly where John the Baptist is. His dilemma was imprisonment. Imprisonment. His, his life is hanging in the balance. Why? Why? Now, I, I'm cool with dilemmas if I had something to do with the reason of being in the dilemma. But what do you do when your faith got you to where you are? What do you do when you've been consistent with God? When, when, when you, ain't, you ain't cussed that many people out, just a few, just a few, not, not too many. You ain't went off on nobody in the office. You have been faithful. You didn't let nobody back you into a corner. You, you, you are being consistent. You're not perfect, but you're consistent. Is there anybody's testimony in this room today? I'm not perfect, but I'm consistent. I'm not giving in to sin. I might be struggling, but it's not a cycle. So you find John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus, who baptized Jesus, finds himself having to live out what he preached. <laughs> it's easy to talk about it, but it's another to live it. Y'all ain't talking back to me. It's easy to talk about it, but it's harder to live it. This same John is prisoned. His life is hanging in the balance because he chose to speak truth the power for being faithful to the call God placed on his life. Now, John, it's word that Jesus is having a good old time. Ministry is happening, but he's still in jail. <laughs> How y'all out to dinner knowing I got a need? How you having a good time? How can you be working miracles and you got a miracle I can tell you to work? What, what, what do you do when you see everybody else's life flourishing while your life is hanging in the balance, and he heard about the works of Jesus. Jesus was walking, as he does, uh, healing the sick. He was raising the dead, restoring sight to the blind. Miraculous works were being formed, yet, yet, yet John was still in a cave. He was still in a dungeon, and some of you came to church this morning wondering if you had been dropped or forgotten. Wondering if maybe God forgot about your marriage. Wondering if God is aware that you're on your 10th chemo session. Wondering if God even knows that your mortgage is behind. Wondering if anybody knows the struggles that you're up against and you're praying to God and you're faithful to God. And this, this question in your mind is, did he forget about me? Has he forgotten about me? Look at verse 11 of Matthew's gospel. Go, go there real quickly. I got to hear it. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Verse 1 and 2. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach 
and preach in their cities. Verse 2, now when John heard, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his homies and said, listen, I need you to run down there to where Jesus is and ask him, is he the one or should we be waiting for another? Now the question becomes, why would he ask such questions? It is because John was very well informed about the Jesus that was to come. He remembers the writings of Isaiah chapter 60 or chapter 61 of the one who was to come would cause those who are bound to be free. And so John is like, if I'm still in prison, it's possible that he's not the one. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Some of us in this room have a way we think God should work. I'm going to say that again. Some of us in this room have a way that we think God should work. We've already given him our plan of when and how he should heal. We've already got the Facebook post schedule. God did it. What happens when the date passes and he ain't moved? John, like, wait a minute. How are you in the streets doing what you do? Have you forgotten about me? Do you know I'm in here because of you? I'm not in here because of me. I'm in here because I'm claiming to teach about you. And if you were the God that was loving, why would you let me stay in a dungeon bound by chains while letting everybody else be free? Lord, help me today. Sometimes faithfulness is proven when you choose to remain. When you choose to remain, when you hold on to your stance, it's like what Paul and Silas did. They prayed at midnight. They praised God so much, the Bible says uh, that the prison doors began to open uh, and the prisoners began to get loose. But what happens, though, is they didn't walk out of the prison. They stayed behind. Read the story. They did not leave. They said to themselves, I'm not leaving this prison empty handed. And it could be that you got to stay behind because God's going to make sure you don't leave empty handed. You're not going to leave here empty handed. And you notice the story of Paul and Silas who prayed at midnight. The Bible says that the jailer gets saved. And this very jailer becomes the individual that he uses to plant his church at Philippi. We know it as the church of Philippians. I'm I come to tell somebody that maybe God has left you where you are because there's somebody in close proximity watching how you handle the situation. And when God brings you out, he won't bring you out by yourself. Am I helping somebody today? Somebody shout, I'm not leaving him to hand it. Come on, you got to get that in your spirit. If you don't hear nothing else that I've said today, somebody shut. I'm not leaving empty-handed. When the children of Israel were getting ready to leave Pharaoh's house, the Lord said, don't leave empty-handed. Fill your pockets. Get the gold. Get the silver. Get all the treasure because we're going to use that to do ministry. Everything that you're going through, God is using it so you can do ministry in the next season. God is not going to let you leave empty-handed. He's not going to let you leave empty-handed. You find the same story of Noah who trusted God, built a boat, folk questioning whether or not he was sane or not. 
spent years building a boat. He gets on the boat with his family and all of the animals. And God sends a flood. Dill does only what he can do. The Bible says there's a section in Scripture, Elder, where it says, and God remembered Noah. <laughs> and God remembered Noah. Get ready to be remembered. Get ready to come into a season of your life where God's going to remember you. He has not forgotten about you. He has not abandoned you. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God says, I'll let you stay in it because I know that while you're in it, I'm strengthening you. The very call that's on your life, the very assignment that's on, the, on your life, the purpose that you've got to execute after this. My strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of you know that faithfulness is easier said than done? Faithfulness is easier said than done. In a day of development coaches and motivational speakers and life coaches and business coaches, I've noticed a trend in these mastermind sessions. Many of them are selling faith to their audiences like it's a product on a shelf, but failing to communicate that one does not truly understand faith until it is to have the time to stand on its own. Watch this, which means faithfulness happens within a context. Write that down. Faithfulness happens within a context. Can we say that together? Y'all good? Let's say it together. Faithfulness happens within a context. Say it again. Faithfulness happens within a context. A context refers to the circumstances or facts that surround a particular event, situation, or concept. John, in his confinement, which became his context, I'm going to say that again. John, in his confinement, which became his context, questioned faith, questioned his understanding of who Jesus was, and he sent his disciples to Jesus with a heartbreaking question, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? His question reveals a crucial point about faithfulness. Faithfulness is not born in a vacuum. It's not born in a vacuum. It doesn't spring from ease and comfort. Rather, it is cultivated in the fertile soils of trials, challenges, and adversity. The writer in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says, In this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved with various trials so that the tested genuineness, you see that? The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that passes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are in what you're in so that the revelation of Jesus can be revealed through you. You and I have a better revelation of Jesus when we're in the trial than not in the trial. Am I making sense today? So your prayer then ought to be, God, show me you in this. Show me you in this. Each situation we face, each problem, each illness, each challenge. It is an opportunity for faithfulness to be produced. It is in these situations that our faith moves 
from theory to practice. It moves from theory to practice, from concept to reality. Some of us have a concept of faith, but we don't have a reality of faith. We have an idea of faith, but we don't know what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. So it moves us from theory to practice. And the writer in Galatians 5 says that when the Holy Spirit gets in you, you move from theory to practice. In other words, you move from talking to becoming. Are you hearing me today? You move from posting to living. Oh, my God. You move from just having an idea of what it means to be faithful to actually being a representative of faithfulness. Am I helping somebody today? You and I must understand that faith leads to faithfulness. You can't say you have faith and not have your faith tested. Faith leads to faithfulness. This critical distinction is important to the life of any child of God. Don't, don't, don't just tell me what you believe. Show me what you've lived through. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Don't, 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 don't just tell me what you believe. Show me what you've lived through. Or better yet, show me what you've overcome. See, faithfulness reveals scars. It leaves scars. Is there anybody in this room that you have survived something? You have survived. You have the, the incension of the, of the surgery that took place. That's faithfulness there. That's faithfulness there. Some of us have survived divorce. Some of us have survived job layoffs. Some of us have survived biz, businesses collapsing. We have survived and we have the scars to prove it. Faithfulness. Is not what you just say out your mouth. Faithfulness is revealed in what you overcome. And faithfulness just doesn't happen. God, in his sovereignty, arranges a set of circumstances that is designed to prove our faithfulness. We see it also clearly in verse 4 of Matthew's writing. In verse 4, Jesus sent word back to him. He says, uh, uh, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. Said, don't just go by what you heard. I want you to see it for yourself. He says, I want you to go and tell John that the blind is receiving their sight and the lame they walk into. Lepers are cleansed and guess what? The deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. My question to you is if somebody else is getting saved because of your dungeon, is it enough for John staying in prison and hearing that somebody else's life was being changed was enough for him to be content in whatever state that he was in. Faithfulness is not faithfulness unless you're willing to remain while seeing somebody else get free. Will you remain at the expense of somebody else's deliverance? We see this modeled even in the life of Jesus. When Jesus got on the cross, he found himself between a rock and a hard place. 
He says to God, God, take this cup away from me. If you don't ever question God, I question your faith. Please understand that God can handle your questions. We have a litany of scriptures where God is cool with facing our questions. And Jesus on the cross says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus models the way, John models the way he shows us that faithfulness is proven when we choose to remain. And when we remain, somebody else might be free because of your circumstance and your situation. Each one of you in this room stands on the cusp of a transformative journey, a journey of demonstrating and living out your faith. As I poured my heart into preparing this message and I prayed through it and writ, writ, wrote and, 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 and did some intentional study just to really hear what the voice of the Lord was really doing today. A gentle whisper from the Lord filled my spirit and, and a message for each of you here at Converge Church. And here's what he had to say to me. The next move demands brave faith. The next move demands brave faith. Brave faith. Please, please, guys, don't, don't, don't overlook that. Don't miss that. God always sends a word before the challenge. Did you hear what I just said? He always sends a word before the challenge. And God showed me that what he is doing in this church and for this people and all of the things that you have done, God said, for what's next, it requires brave faith. Can you just look at your neighbor and tell him, we need brave faith. Come on, come on, we need brave. Come on, tell him, we need brave faith. We need brave faith. We need brave faith. Faithfulness is not born in the comfort of the known, but it is, in, it is born in the courage of the unknown. It springs forth in those brave moments that stir our spirit and challenge our faith. Faithfulness is then birthed out of brave moments. All of us in this room have our fair shake and our fair share of having to have brave moments. I'm sure there's a mother in the room who had to be brave in bearing that child because no one could produce the child the way you produced it. You had to be brave. Brave faith is a faith that hears the promises of God, however improbable they may seem. And they say to themselves in brave faith, he said it, I believe it, let's do it. That's brave faith. It is, it is a faith that does not wait for favorable conditions, but move forward because of the promises of God are sure. They are yea and amen. Brave faith is a faith that can look at the current situation, however bleak, however uncertain, and say, God has more for me than this. It is a faith that look beyond the present to the future God that he has promised. Brave faith embraces embraces incapability as opportunity. Brave faith understands that our perceived incapabilities, the places where I feel least equipped or often God's suggestions of my next assignment. It is a faith that says my weaknesses is a platform for the glory of God and for the strength of God to be revealed. Am I talking to anybody in this room? I came to tell somebody it may be hard, but this is a season 
season, baby? Well, you got to be brave. Is there anybody in this room today that say, come hell or high water, I'm going to be brave. Tears flowing down my face, I'm going to be brave. Walking into the doctor's office, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go back to that marriage and be brave. Somebody shout, I just got to be brave. Come on, say it again. I just got to be brave. Come on, say it again. I got to be brave. Oh, my God. You don't choose bravery. Bravery chose you. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I feel my help coming in the room. Instead of choosing bravery, bravery will very often choose us. When you go back to work on tomorrow, when you go back to the office, it's time to man up and woman up. Students, when you get ready to go back to school, you're going to walk on that high school campus, and you got to declare the will of the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is going to be a school year where the glorious news of Jesus Christ will be preached and reached through up, up and down the aisles and the hallways of this high school, this middle school, and this elementary. God's going to do it through me. Somebody shout, we got to be brave. In the crucible of life trials and tribulations, we often find that it's bravery that chooses us. It's a divine call. Not everybody gets to be brave. <laughs> Some folk have died in what you survived. Do you know you survived a whole pandemic? Some of us got COVID more than one time, but you survived. <laughs> against all odds, against all of the stats, you, is there anybody that is a survivor? I dare you to just wave your hand and just shout, I am a survivor. You've got history of being brave. So you don't have to quit. You don't have to capitulate. You don't have to throw in the towel. You can sink your feet in the sand knowing for God I live and for God I'll die. If God be for me. Hallelujah. It's a divine call that stirs within us, leading us to say, my latest testimony was that I had to be brave. As we walk this path of brave faith, I'm closing as we journey toward greater faithfulness. I want to lift just a few things based on John's wisdom as our guide today because we can surmise Three key things of what it means to embody brave faith. Do you mind if I give them to you? The first thing that John embodies for us today is brave faith will cost you inconvenience. Brave faith will cost you inconvenience. Some of you came to church today feeling inconvenience. Some things you're at and you're missed of, you're like, it's just not a good time. Anybody? Just not a good time. It's just not a good time to be laid off. It's not a good time for the business to be sinking in its numbers. It's, it's, just, it's just, baby, it's not a good time for us to be arguing. We need to be strong right now. We got to be vigilant because we know the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It, it's, it's just not a good time. And brave faith will cost you inconvenience. Are you willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of somebody else's deliverance? For all of my married folk in the room and you're struggling in your marriage, 
do you know the reason why you're going through the struggle in your marriage? So that you can mentor somebody else who's going through the exact thing that you will overcome. You can overcome a lack of faithfulness. You can overcome children working your last nerve. You can overcome that. You can overcome that. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Brave faith understands, number two, that his word is enough. That his word is enough. When John sent his disciples to Jesus asking if he was the one or should they be waiting for another, Jesus replied with evidence. He sent back evidence. He had social proof. He had receipts. He had something that could be used to comfort John in his struggle and in his dilemma. And his deeds that echoed the prophecies of the old. John didn't need to see the miracles. Hearing about the miracles was enough. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. He didn't have to see it with his own eyes. Hearing about it was enough. And so it is with us. We can trust on God's promises knowing that his word is enough. Lift your hands and say, his word is enough. Come on, say it again. His word is enough. I'm going to be faithful because I know his word is enough. Brave faith is going to cost us inconvenience. Brave faith understands that his word is enough. And here's another. Brave faith honors God while weak faith accuses God. Brave faith honors God while weak faith Accuses God. We all go through seasons where we get weak in our faith. When things did not go as expected for John, he didn't accuse God of abandoning him, but he saw confirmation of the plan. He said, I just need to be reassured that you really are the one and that this personal affliction is but for a moment. Is going to really work out together for my good. In our times of doubt and confusion, brave faith guides us to trust and honor God even when we don't fully understand his ways. Brave faith, therefore, my friends, recognizes that its ultimate objective is to live at the expense of the Father. We are not faithful because we're forced to be faithful. No, we're faithful because as we journey through life, we find traces of a brave son named Jesus. And he said that greater works than these shall you do also which means that Jesus had a brave moment now it's our turn it's your turn it's your turn I want you to stand to your feet just say these words it's my turn come on say it again it's my turn it's my turn come on say it again it's my turn when you go back when you go back when you go back when you go back into watch this your context remember it's your turn now Jesus modeled the way. John the Baptist modeled the way. Paul modeled the way. Silas modeled the way. Timothy modeled the way. Other elders, Peter modeled the way. I didn't say be perfect. Our job is to model the way. And we have to show others what it means to be saved and what it means to walk by faith. Every eye closed in this room, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I gave your people the word as you requested. Now, Lord, I'm asking you right now that you do the work in the hearts of your people. There are people all over this room. They're in a unique context that they need your assurance knowing that you have not abandoned them. 
Some of them are in this room, tears flowing down their faith, young and older. God, I pray that, God, you would do something tremendous for the Hezekiah in the room. Oh, God, that as he turns his face to the wall, that you add years to his life in the name of Jesus. That you do something for the Samson that is in the room. Oh, God, that you touch Samson right now, that you do something for the Samuel, that you do something for the Ezekiel, that you do something for the Jeremiah that is in this room right now, that you turn the circumstance around, that you show them their strength that is made perfect in their weakness right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that the glorious power of the resurrected one would be their portion. I pray sweet rest. I pray for peace to come like they've never experienced before. You say there remains a rest for the people of God. I decree it to be so and it will not be otherwise. Now Satan, I command your hand to come off of the minds of your people. You said be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We know that the enemy, he's a father of lies, and in him there is no truth. Now, devil, you busy making accusations about us. And yes, some of them are true. But the writer says, John at an Patmos ran into a vision where the enemy was making accusations against us day and night. But we overcame those accusations by the blood of the lamb and by the very words of our testimony. And so, Father, I pray that as your people, Go back to their unique context, their unique situations. Touch that husband, touch that grandfather, touch that son, touch that wife, touch that grandmother, touch that auntie, touch that businessman, that businesswoman. Strengthen them for the journey in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. This has been the word of the Lord. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. I want to remind you that we have ConvergeNet. If you're interested in that, please, uh, by all means, make that available. That's available for you. Also want to remind you of the, the, uh, the books that uh, Pastor Ken gave us. Uh, make sure you take uh, the opportunity to go out and take a look at that as well. We'd appreciate it so much. How many of you know that being faithful, you can see it? When you're living your life in a faithful way, you'll be able to see your faithfulness. People will see uh, when you face challenges and difficulties, they'll watch you and see how you act. And that fruit will show up on your tree. It's going to inconvenience us. Inconvenience you sometimes, as the pastor said. You need to have brave faith. We thank God for the word today. We believe God that it's going to resonate with us and we're going to be able to use it in our life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful word that was given to us. We're believing and trusting, Almighty God, that we will receive what was deposited into our spirit and that God that you would bring it to our remembrance that we might walk in a faithful way and that your fruit will be seen in the tree of our lives. Thank you Father in Jesus name. Amen and amen. If you are impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch@weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. 
You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience, and we look forward to staying connected with you.